KBUT, the butt, New Las Vegas Radio. Get ready to feel something. You're listening to Dr. Whoever. Boom. U.S. Naval Observatory Master Clock. At the tone, Eastern Standard Time. 18 hours, 10 minutes, 15 seconds. Universal Time, 23 hours, 10 minutes, 20 seconds. U.S. Naval Observatory Universal time, 23 hours, 10 minutes, 50 seconds. U.S. Naval Observatory, Master Talk, at the tone, Eastern Standard Time, 18 hours, 11 minutes. K-E-U-T, the butt. New Las Vegas Radio. This is the Doctor Who Never Project. Stand by. It is February 22nd, 2022, and this is the Doctor Whoever Project. We're going to do a special Ukraine edition today and catch you up on what you might have missed. Stick around. We'll be right back. Grab your emotional support animal and get ready for a dose of reality. You're stuck on KBUT, the butt. This is Doctor Whoever. Hey, Doctor Whoever, let's get this show on the road. Boom. Hello, Mr. Jesse over there. What's up? How's it going? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Eight, I'm good, I'm good. Seven. We got some uh some video going on today, so uh, we're gonna see how this all works out. Uh, you know, let's get through the countdown and uh, we'll pull up a video and we'll get started. Let's go. So it is kind of a kind of a weird week, right? Um, you know, I feel like it's an uh, interesting time in the world right now. A little bit somber. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, the big one right now is Ukraine. It is uh, we are actually in state of war uh, in the world, right? I mean, maybe not us here, but there there is a war going on right now, um, and Ukraine is a very interesting interesting country and i don't think too many people really know a lot about the history so you want to let's let's get into a little uh let's learn for a second how about that let's uh do a little learning and get five minute history lesson is that, uh, is that cool I, I think that's always best too when you're looking at a conflict and you're trying to figure out oh why is this happening or why is this happening it's always better to get like a a little little brief history that way things start making sense when you start seeing things play i out. agree Let's pull this up and see what we got. This is the history of Ukraine in five minutes from, let's see, Sky News. Independence Square in Kiev. 
It bears the scars and the memorials of a conflict that has once again divided Ukraine. No one knows where this chapter will end, but it's just the latest in the nation's long and bloody history. To explain today's conflict, it helps to understand the lessons of the past. The old Slavic word for Ukraine you know, meant borderland, and what we've got here is the modern borders of Ukraine coming in here and obviously taking it at the moment at Crimea. Um, but in 1918, the situation was quite different. We had in the west of Ukraine, and then uh, eventually after the First World War, the Soviet Ukraine. Whatever way you look at it, these are the people who are constantly um, stateless, um, but have, have got a claim as a nation. The story of Ukraine is in part the story of Christianity in Europe, and this man, Saint Volodymyr, captured in this statue outside the Ukrainian Institute in London. It has become a shrine to those killed in Independence Square. In 988, he brought Christianity to Kiev. Uh, 1,025 1, years ago, and Kiev then was was the capital um, of what is now sort of the, the larger uh, post-Eastern Soviet Union. Moscow did not exist. Those remembered here join millions more who have died in Ukraine's conflict. This vast nation is a bridge between East and West, and coveted by both. Conflict and blood is in the soil. As many as 10 million Ukrainians perished under Stalin's rule starved in a famine caused by the forced collectivization of agriculture. This, in a fertile land that became the breadbasket of Europe. Decimated by Soviet rule, the Nazis brought terror and division a decade later. When Hitler ordered German troops into Ukraine en route to Russia in 1941, they encircled Kiev. 600,000 men were killed or captured. Others fought with the Nazis, causing divisions that linger to this day. According to Russian estimates, by the end of the war, 1.6 million soldiers had died in Ukraine and more than 5 million civilians. Ukraine finally gained full independence from the Soviet Union in 1991 and with it the trappings of nationhood, like embassies around the world, including this one here in London. But independence has not brought settled democracy. And 23 years on, the country's in the grip of its second revolution. The new nation had a difficult birth. Its soldiers still wore Soviet uniforms as they trained to defend their country, and the economy struggled, with fuel and food in short supply. Despite this, Ukraine remained a huge nuclear power. When Ukraine became an independent state, it had the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world. It had, uh, the, its nuclear arsenal was bigger than that of France, the United Kingdom and China combined. It was massive. Ukraine gave it up voluntarily in exchange for assurances from the United States, from the UK and from Russia that its territorial integrity will be preserved. So one of the big issues we're seeing now, really, is that uh, the assurances that were made aren't being adhered to. Well, that's interesting. So that's kind of, I think, part of the issue people are wondering, like, why is it so important? So Ukraine, they decided, hey, we'll get rid of our nuclear weapons back in the 90s, is that what this is? And then we said, okay, come and join us, we'll protect you, you don't need these nuclear weapons anymore. Is that is that right? Yeah, I, I didn't know about that, but it seems like, either. you know, Russia was a part of those negotiations as well. Uh, so it's hard to keep up 
a deal when one of the countries that sworn to protect your uh, integrity as a country is now invading. Yeah, just not country. playing by the rules. You can't not play by the rules. You want to finish this clip? Actually, um, if you're just joining on Facebook, we I forgot to hit the go live button, so you missed the intro, but we are discussing the Ukraine crisis and uh, kind of going over just what has happened this past few days because it does seem to be important to a lot of people. It's important to us. Um, I've been stressed out just watching it and seeing people that look just like me, just like you, just like a lot of my friends here in the States, in, in, in different European countries that I've been to, running for their lives with their purses and their dogs and their laptops from Apple, just trying to get to safety in a place where they normally just take their kids to the park and go to the coffee shop and the grocery store, just like we do here. Uh, it, it it's almost gives me a little anxiety, you know, past couple of days, you know? Yeah, and, and this clip that we're kind of going through from Sky News is, is giving you kind of like a brief history of Ukraine, although it's only been, you know, um, a democracy for the last 24 years in its, in its statehood. Um, there's, a, there's a history, and we just were going over um, an agreement signed in Budapest in 1994. You see uh, Bill, Clinton like Bill Clinton in the picture. Um, three nations, Russia including one of them, that... If Ukraine gave up their nuclear arsenal, which from from this clip is showing that it was extensive, you know, more than the UK, more than France, I didn't know, know more that than a lot of countries that they willingly it gave was, yeah. it over to to ask these countries, look, I'm doing this in good faith. Um, I'm asking you in good faith to protect Ukraine as a country. And it seems like Russia obviously has already broken that agreement signed in 1994, which isn't surprising. But I mean, that shows the commitment the United States has to Ukraine and mm -hmm. why things are kind of going the way they are, why we're seeing sanctions that are so aggressive and why we're leaning on our NATO allies so aggressively to to put a stop to this. Because this the last war, you know, unless you're including the Balkans, it was World War Two, so Europe has been a very relatively safe, calm, you know, continent for 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 a long time since World War Two. So this is this is shocking. It's 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 unnerving for a lot of people because you know Europe over you know hundreds of years has been a continent constantly in conflict, fighting over territory, territory switching hands, borders switching hands, you know, and you know millions of people dying. Uh, during these land disputes. So it's really unsettling, you know, not just here in the United States, but more so in Europe and in a continent where, you know, they're, they're just so, uh, so used to war. And now that they haven't had it for a long time, mm -hmm. it's, it's very unsettling because you just start thinking if you're generation, you know, it's like we are here, we don't expect like to be invaded by Mexico or Canada. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they've been in, they've lived in security for so long. I mean, yeah, I think that the, what we can relate it to most is, you know, when 9-11 happened, we're like, oh, shit, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were just, you know, doing our normal everyday life. We weren't asking for trouble. We weren't, mm -hmm. you know, we weren't in a position where we thought we were causing anybody trouble. So to be attacked and I could just imagine if 9-11 happened when we were attacked and then just, you know, being in invaded from every single direction and having to flee your homes, you know, grabbing your laptop and your dog, you know, I mean, you're used little to just, monster. Yeah, you're used to, you know, just jumping on Zoom and going to work and now your life is just, you know, upended. So the like, conflict is really, yeah. it's really, un, it's unsettling. And, and it's not just here. It's, um, I'm, I have a kind of working with a guy right now on a project that's in Russia. And I think 
you said yesterday someone on Twitter was talking about like the banks and all, but I guess we can get into that uh, later. But after uh, let's let's get through the last two minutes of the history because I didn't even know I didn't even know Ukraine was the uh, second largest country in Europe. Did you like until oh, this week? Uh, yeah, landmass wise. Landmass yeah. wise, like I didn't know a lot of these things. So um, mm-hmm. all right, let's continue with the little educational two minutes left of this. Um, right now they are discussing getting rid of the nuclear weapons in Ukraine and Russia was part of this agreement and that's why Ukraine was allowed to come into NATO, right? No, they're not a part of NATO. No, I mean, sorry, that's why um, some of these countries were allowed to come into NATO, but this was something that they were doing, I guess, with us to try to get rid of nuclear weapons of Russia. Sorry, right. Well, yeah. Because of, I mean, and, was... and, and because NATO wanted them to? Is that what it was? I mean, there's always been, um, there's always been an effort to denuclearize every single you know, country. As much you know, as obviously, possible. Obviously, the United States hasn't, you know, we have nuclear weapons. Russia has nuclear weapons. China has nuclear weapons. And there's many countries trying to to develop, yeah. develop nuclear, you know, capabilities. And it's always been, you know, viewed as it's, it's we're all safer if no one has any, right. you know what I mean? Because what what is the actual benefit to going to war with two superpowers that have nuclear weapons? You're just going to blow yourself off the face of the world. What, what does that do? You know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't do anything for you. But when so. things like this happen... It makes it makes this from nineteen ninety four agreement just kind of be like, well, what was the point? You know, if nobody, if people aren't going to stick up with stick up with what they agreed upon. And I think that's um, what a lot of countries. I think you could even say like North Korea, when you were asking them to, you know, not to develop nuclear weapons, they think, well, this is the only way that I can have power, I can secure my country for forever because I can always threaten you with a nuclear attack, mm. and no one's going to do that. So I think. That, that might have been the position for Ukraine. If they might have had their nuclear weapons, maybe Russia wouldn't be invading. But, I mean, that's all hearsay and that's all speculation. But we all, I mean, as a country, we all strive for, for peace. And I think the overwhelming um, world you've seen from every continent, every country, there's this outcry. Even in Russia, where you go to prison for several years for protesting, we're seeing, you know, Thousands of people protesting day after day. Way more than um, I thought. Asking for no more war. Not not anything, you know, crazy. Just simple, a simple message. No more war. Like the, the guy from the tennis team wrote it on the thing. So, yeah, you know? he, he wrote on a yeah. camera after he won his tennis match. No war, please. Wait, let's just, finish like, the clip like the, and then we'll yeah. get into all that. America, Russia, and Ukraine. But stability at back. home has remained elusive. seconds. So one of the big issues we're seeing now, really, is that uh, the assurances that were made aren't being adhered to. The deal was signed by America, Russia and Ukraine, but stability at home has remained elusive. In 2004, this prompted the Orange Revolution. Following a rigged election, Viktor Yanukovych was removed without a shot being fired. After nationwide protests and a second election, Viktor Yushchenko was installed in his place. His disfigured face bore the scars of the campaign, which many believe were caused by poisoning. In 2010, Yanukovych won back the presidency. This election was cleaner, but his administration was not. Yulia Tymoshenko, defeated in the election, was jailed for abuse of power. The charge is widely viewed as politically motivated. Last month, Yanukovych was overthrown for a second time, but this time there was blood. 
The consequences for Ukraine are uncertain, but the pattern is wearily familiar. So this is from 2014, and it just shows that they have been in turmoil for so long. It's like, I didn't know any of this stuff, did you? But it just kind of... It kind of shows that you know when you when you can't come together and agree on things within your own country, it that does leave you more susceptible. Um, and I think that's kind of I've seen some things on the news that have talked about why Putin maybe have decided to do it now, and it, a lot of it had to do with with us that we are we are more disjointed as a country here and collectively. But hopefully, this might kind of bring us all back together. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's difficult to to form a new democracy. I think we've seen in a lot of countries that try to you know have free and fair elections when they're not used to that, when they they've been you know have had dictators rule over them. It's not the easiest process, and even in our own country, you know, it it hasn't been an easy process. Even till recently, we we've. Uh, people on the other side have said, you know, our, our elections are rigged and, you know, people, they're tampered with and obviously they're not. But I mean, once you create a distrust within a society, it makes it difficult to to have, you know, future elections where people think that a democracy works. So that's why it's one of those things where it's such a fragile thing mm-hmm. that works amazingly well. But once your own people begin to, you know, create some friction and question the process it becomes something that um, there's, there's a lot of turmoil and it's, and it's, and it's very easy to topple over if you're willing to let, you know, the opposite side, you know, question it. Let's, um, let's watch a couple of clips. Let's take a little break and let's take a little break. And um, obviously we're going to continue this in a world politics segment. Um, I want to show you a couple of TikToks that I've seen and it's things that I haven't really seen on the news and it's just kind of unbelievable. Some of it. We'll be right back. Well, I don't know if you've seen this TikTok that I'm uh, playing for you on the screen right now. Um, It was, I think, on the first day of the takeover. And you can see a tank come in and just steer directly into a small vehicle. Do you see this on your screen? Yeah, I see that. And I think a lot of people think of TikTok, but I think TikTok is being used to actually show, you know, media clips. This one is, you know, been... Uh, verified by NBC News, and, it, and, and I think we're, we're seeing on the screen like there was an old man or old woman that was. It was a man, I believe, yeah, an old man. Ran over by, uh, and you can hear the Russian pedestrians, the, the people screaming. They're watching, and then this is it. You can they actually rescue him and pull him out. I can't believe out. he's actually in one piece. The car's not, but I, mean, I know it's crazy. He, and he's stuck in that vehicle. It's just and smashed. this was literally one of the first things that I saw, one of the first ones, and I was like, oh my god. And um, I mean, it just. You know, there's just so many like this. Let me see if I can find the Russian troopers parachuting. Um, I found some, like, Russian troopers, like, kind of parachuting down. And, like, 
Uh, maybe some like one of these right here. You can see like the footage of the jets coming through. It's crazy. I think it'll be, you know, months before we really get a lot of this, um, like a lot of the actual footage of stuff that happened, um, you know, comes to light from some of these these pedestrian cities has failed to establish reporters. Reporters. And last night's assault on Kyiv was repelled. Russian soldiers are reportedly frustrated by the stiff resistance. Last night, the U.S. asked President Zelensky to evacuate, and in response, he said, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a riot. The U.S. has approved $350 million of ammunition to Ukraine. To now, what do you think about that? What do you think about um, of the, the president of Ukraine saying, hey, I'm going to stay. I want to stay here, you know, like the captain of the ship. I'm going to stay here, you know, and I'm going to until it goes down, you know, what do you... I think when... when right comes, answer? Yeah, and, and well, I mean, not always the right answer because, you know, if if something happens to him, who's to say what's going to happen to the government and the messaging and, and how the people are going to react to that? But I think in, in the current sense... Um, so let's give a little history of, of the president. A couple of years ago, before he was elected, he was a comedian. He was um, on um, a television so he, show. Yeah, he's, a, he's a television show. So I think he has some understanding about... I think he played you know, a teacher what, that actually became the president in the TV show. Mm, so I think there he has a very strong understanding of, of what it means to use social media to relay his message to you know his people, especially when you're asking all of the, your men from a certain age to 60 years old to not leave and to stay and fight, it's kind of imperative that you as a leader are in the trenches with your people fighting because we're not talking about like here in the United States where you know we have a military, there there isn't a lack of military force that we couldn't show. And you know, Joe Biden doesn't need to be there with a with a rifle, you know, to show, you know, our military presence. In in this sense, Ukraine, they're completely um overwhelmed by the military strength of Russia. So when you're But asking, not as much as they thought, I guess. I mean it seems I, like they're I doing think, better. But I think we haven't seen the complete military no, flex haven't. of Russia I mean, they're they're capable of so much more, and the the thing is, is they're they're waging a war where they're not just you know pulverizing the whole city. I mean, there there's a way to fight a war when you there's literally not going to be a building standing, but they're trying to keep the integrity of the city. So it's a more difficult war to fight, I think. And I think a lot of Americans can kind of relate when we're looking at. Um, Afghanistan and when we're when we're fighting wars when there's insurgents you know hiding with civilians it's a more difficult war to fight than just a just knowing this is the enemy you know nothing's off limits you can fight and blow up whatever you want well, that's yeah, complete, that's, that's well, completely I mean, they different. just ran over a car but, you know there's another one um have you seen the clip of I know they showed it on the news the apartment building I think this is it right here uh like the apartment building at the end they show where it just took out a whole side and I remember originally it was reported that like no one was injured I was like how is it possible that no one was injured in that where the whole side of the building came off? Yeah, it, it's fortunate, but I think Ukraine. Well, no, but somebody people. was though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Later on, they're like, um, of course, you know, because we're just getting, we are getting just such delayed information, and they're in such chaos that they can't yeah, really so get good information. Yeah, so when we're sleeping, they're up at fighting in the, in the daytime. That's ten hours war. different. But, I believe, but what yeah. I want to, what I want, really want to strike upon is that you know Zelensky has done such an amazing job in conveying yes! the, the struggles of Ukraine and what's at risk and 
and showing such leadership that the whole world um, has. I think Japan just recently signed up to to SWIFT with, the, with those sanctions. Mm. Um, that the whole world has stood behind Ukraine. You see buildings through in Paris and uh, San Francisco, uh, in Sydney, lighting up in the the blue and yellow mm-hmm. in support of Ukraine. Um, I, I don't think I can recall an instance where the whole world was united behind a country like we're seeing now. And that this really falls onto President Zelensky uh, using social media in such a way that resonates with people. People feel compassion um, that it's going to be very difficult for, for Putin, even if he is successful with taking over the capital, to actually continue to have a place on the world stage where people take him seriously because all I'm hearing from you know news outlets is the question should Vladimir Putin be charged for war crimes I mean you he, he's losing his legitimacy as, as a leader and and, I, and frankly uh, Russia as as a country is is becoming an isolated uh, island unto itself because so many people in so many countries, are 100% behind Ukraine. I know this is from a TikTok, but you see this list on your screen. It says uh, countries that support Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, Serbia, Venezuela, Algeria, Lebanon, Pakistan, Belarus, and Syria. And then obviously the Ukraine support is much higher. Um, I mean, and it, but if you really look at that that list... And of, Japan so is on the list of... If you, you, know, if you look at those lists of supporters, um, although China is on that list, I don't think China is... Is willing to help militarily. Oh no! To, they don't to do that. I Russia. learned that recently um, as well that China has never sent military forces outside of their borders. They just yeah, don't do and that. Yeah, and then when you go down that list that you were just showing, there there really isn't a military power within that. Yeah, list. like you know, Algeria, Syria, even Venezuela is, is dealing with its own chaos back at home. True. But then you show the other side, and you know, there's that's a strong list of of countries willing to. To defend Ukraine, and and it's not boots on the ground. We're not talking about you know the United States is you know on the ground fighting hand on hand with with Ukrainians. That's not that's not the case. Um, but they are providing you know those military sanctions and some defense you know you know military weapons, which which is I mean which is one thing. I mean, and it's important to to realize the distinction. I love this tennis player that uh, went on the camera and just wrote "No War, Please" like. Uh, when he was in Dubai, you know, you're in Dubai, you know, you what I don't know what the relationship between Dubai and Russia is, but you know, I assume he's a Russian citizen and he's going, going, you know, stepping outside of the box to make a point. And uh, I believe that a daughter of someone high up in Russia as well um, put a TikTok out, um, like uh, saying like no war as well, um, and that it was taken down, I believe. I can never spell TikTok. <laughs> I'm so old. But like it's uh, from what I hear there's a lot of um there's a lot of mixed mixed feelings going on about um it's probably scrubbed. But like even there like the younger people in a different generation is saying, you know, like this is not what we should be doing. Why are we why are we hurting our brothers? Why are we why are we hurting our neighbors, the people that are a lot of these people have relatives and friends. I saw a clip of two guys that I think it was like they they were together, like they were gay guys, and one was uh, Russian and one was Ukrainian. They kind of hugged, and but both kind of went their separate ways. I don't know if it was real or not, but I mean, it was. It still kind of gave you that kind of feeling of people having to take sides. 
Like here's some pictures, some footage of you know. Um, let's see. This is from Yahoo News. Let's see what they have here for us. Men between the ages of 18 and 60 years old were reportedly banned from crossing the border and must remain in the country. The president called on all citizens to join the fight against Russia and announced the government would issue weapons to anyone who volunteered. You might have seen videos like this showing women and children fleeing Ukraine and leaving behind men and their family. After President Zelensky declared so that's what it is. Law, so men between the ages you are not supposed to leave old, if you're able and if you're willing and able, I guess not willing, if you're able, they want you to stay and fight. Um... But, like, you know it's got to be hard to be able to track that, too. Like, how are you... We saw a video of just some little baby... Maybe, like, um, 20-year-old girl or whatever trying to stop people from getting onto a train with bags. And was she going to check people's IDs for their age and see how old they... You know, of course not. Like, it's, it's going to be the people that wanted to stay. I'm surprised at how many men I've seen do interviews, like, in Poland, and be like, yeah, you know, I got on a bus or got on a train and left. You... I wonder if there's going to be any backlash, but I mean, if there's no country to, you know, have I mean, backlashed uh, against you, you yeah, know, at the end, what I, difference I, I does it make? I would never be in a position to, to, to judge or criticize anybody for, for fleeing with their oh, family. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're, if you're in a situation where, yeah, I mean, you've, you've left your home with your, your wife, your kids, and you're just entrusting them to, to go to another country by themselves and fend for themselves... I mean, I think it's in people's nature to want to stay with their family in times of turmoil and protect them to make sure that, you know, they're taken care of because they're, I mean, they're going there with nothing uh, to, the, to some of these countries, even though they they're, they seem to be, you know, willing to accept these, you know, whether, I guess you consider them refugees now because they don't have a home yeah, at the I moment. Mean... And it's just that I understand that people would want to leave with their family and make sure that they're taken care of and safe too. And at the same time, I understand the, the need and desire for, you know, the leaders that want willing and able men to stay and protect their, their land because, I mean, they, it may not be their land anymore if, if they don't stay back and protect it. And the estimates, you know, are low. I mean, they're saying right now between like 100 and 200,000 people have fled. And I mean, it's hard to say what you would do if you weren't, if you didn't, if you didn't come from that kind of a country. Um, like we have the benefit here of having, you know... Um, we just have a structure set up that that's kind of a system that people go into that profession and we pay people and we have incentives like getting college education and things like that for going into the military. And that's why we have such a large military and obviously it's funded very well and everything like that. But, but that, always, you know, that hasn't always been the case. Well, no, of course not. been well. our lifetime. Yeah, my, my uncle was drafted and yeah, I mean, he, mm -hmm. you know, they had to, you know, choose numbers and he, he was drafted and fought in, you know, the Vietnam war. So, I mean, we've been in that situation here in our country and we probably know, you probably know somebody that, you know, has been drafted and, you know, not willingly wanting to fight. Not because you can say that like not everybody is is made for war, and some people are more willing to you know you know fight for their country, and that's something they they were just like feel like they're gun ho and like I was born to do this. And then there's some people that just aren't made for that or don't even envision themselves. And I think we saw some people that were interviewed on the news. One guy said three days ago. I would have never thought I would be here with a. With a oh, yeah, he was like gun. an analyst. Or yeah, something. he's an analyst yeah. who was you know working you know in tech, and now he's like now I have a machine gun in my hand, fighting, ready to die for my country. 
So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy situation. Um, let's take a little break and let's talk about, like, the sanctions, actually, and what can be done, what is going to be done in place right now. Um, because that's really the only thing we can do. And then after that, let's talk about the next step, if there is a next step, and what happens if Putin decides to uh, keep going and enter Poland or um, one of the one of the countries that would cause a major problem with NATO if he decided to invade, right? Yeah. All right, well, we'll be right back. This is the Dr. Ever Project. Um, we're going to try to have a little fun with this and try to explain it to you in a way that makes sense and not be too dry and boring. But this is a serious topic, and um, you know, people should pay attention because if you don't know, you don't know. And this is one of the first times in most people's lifetime something like this is happening, and it's a good chance to put your thinking cap on and um, be able to take in the information, process it, and come out with an opinion that's yours and yours alone and feel free to share that with others because that's what this is all about. Um, sharing your story, learning a little bit, and getting through life, being a little bit better from one day to the next. This is the Dr. Ever Project. We'll be right back. Grab your emotional support animal. And get ready for a dose of reality. You're stuck on KBUT, the butt. This is Dr. Whoever. When you gotta go, you gotta go. But we will be right back. Remember to always wipe and wash those hands. Doctor's orders. This is KBUT, the butt. All right, we are back, and we are trying to talk to you a little bit about the Ukraine crisis, Ukraine invasion by Russia. Um, it's a sensitive topic, and it's a difficult topic. You know, I mean, it's wall-to-wall coverage on the news. Even Fox News has uh, had to stop talking about how terrible Dr. Fauci is and jump on board and cover this because this is the biggest news story since 9-11. Wouldn't you agree, Jesse? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And... Um, and one of the big things that we can do in this country is put sanctions on another country and other leaders and businesses within those countries. Can you give us a little slight explanation, Mr. Jesse, um, of what sanctions are? Yeah, so, Jesse, I mean, there's... He'll never say his real name on air, but listen for that accent. He's our Ivy League-educated Latinx political expert and way overqualified for this podcast. I want you to give you a little time to collect your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, so he you didn't know. give me the Sorry chance to know that there, there was an intro coming. I thought you wanted a little time to check your thoughts, but this is such a well, this is one of those topics that's on everybody's mind right now. I'm sure you already have, like you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the floor is yours. Tell us all about sanctions, how they work, and how they affect the people that you need them to affect. I mean, sanctions. It's 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 different. Like you you can't just say, oh, they were. You know, they impose sanctions and they're all the same. It's not the case. Sanctions come in many different forms, um, whether that's, you know, you could put sanctions on oil, gas. You could put sanctions, in this case, on finances. So in in this case, it has to do with, you know, Russian finances. They put sanctions on 
uh, oligarchs and just recently Vladimir Putin's money. Um, but also collectively sanctions really have an impact when you can get other nations like members of the G7, which include Japan, who just signed on to the sanctions that don't allow the country to to spend or use credit uh, on the global stage, which leaves them to themselves or anybody else willing to do business with them, which could cripple uh, one's economy over a few months. So it's kind of like back a couple months ago when before we didn't have enough to worry about when, when Pornhub was about to be shut down because they couldn't find a payment processing server to like process. No, it wasn't Pornhub. OnlyFans. OnlyFans. OnlyFans yeah. was trying to find somebody that would take their debit cards and credit card processing. And people were like, no, we can't have that. Um, you know, it's like, no, too nasty. And, and, and so, so it's similar that, to that, that kind of, right? Terms, so they were like a pariah. Yeah, so in that okay. terms, you can kind of see how over time that could, that could cripple a business. Gotcha. If you can't find someone to run credit card processes. Interesting. In this case, it's for Russia. I mean, they're, they're losing a lot of business. So, you know, their main, you know, source of income is uh, natural resources, which is gas and, and oil. So if countries are no longer, no longer willing to buy their, their goods anymore, it's going to have an economic effect on the Russian people. So what the hope is, is that everyday, normal day Russians will feel the pain of these sanctions where their money isn't working as well or the ruble in Russia has completely collapsed to where it's you know almost worthless. No, you're saying um, it has or you're saying it, they, no, it, they're it, hoping it, it will. It's, it's fallen substantially already. Uh, so the, the hope is that the Russian people will be so unhappy with the way their economy is working for mm. them, they will then put political pressure on leadership to say, hey, this needs to stop. Because we're the ones feeling the effect. So the, the Russian, you know, Vladimir Putin and the oligarchs, they have their monies hidden in, I don't know how many f- banks and overseas or wherever they, you know, billionaires hide their money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Swiss banks, is, it's the Russian people that are going to feel the everyday effects of a lot of these sanctions, unfortunately. Now, is this SWIFT? Is that what it is? SWIFT is the bank? Yeah, name? so I, it's, I'm barely for the first time starting to hear about Me SWIFT, too. but it, I guess it's a comprehensive system that... I have a little clip. You want to see yeah, if this Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to actually hear All right, more this is from The Guardian. Because I wouldn't want to m- misspeak at all. Uh, we're going to have to get somebody that speaks English. Johnson comes up What you've seen just today is more countries joining the call of the UK to use SWIFT. SWIFT is the mechanism uh, that stops people uh, making payments uh, to Vladimir Putin's Russia. It's incredibly important for tightening the, the, the ligature, the economic ligature around the Putin regime. And today you've seen more and more countries, France uh, and others, coming forward to say uh, that they will not block a, a banning, a boycott of SWIFT. I will now propose to EU leaders the following measures. First, we commit to ensuring that a certain number of Russian banks are removed from SWIFT. This will ensure that these banks are disconnected from the international financial system and harm their ability to operate globally. SWIFT is the world's dominant global interbank payment system. Cutting banks off will stop them from conducting most of their financial transactions worldwide 
and effectively block Russian exports and imports. Second, we will stop Putin from using his war chest. We will paralyze the assets of Russia's central bank. This will freeze its transactions and it will made it impossible for the central bank to liquidate assets. And finally, we will work to prohibit Russian oligarchs from using their financial assets on our markets. All of these measures will significantly harm Putin's ability to finance his war. So that's kind of a little summary, and that is so technical, but like, does that help you maybe help us break it down for people? Yeah, it, it does make sense. But, but the thing I think what everybody should find very interesting is that um, there's so many ways in, in a modern world to to wage war or tip the scales of, of power. And I think what she was saying is like literally cripple the Russian uh, banking system where transactions aren't even allowed to, to happen anymore. So they can't even make like... Okay, like when I go to when we go to another country, we just take our debit cards and our debit cards just work. They might charge you a little, I don't know, like when I go to Canada, you get charged like 25 cents per transaction if you use your debit card, but if you use your credit card, it doesn't. Like silly stuff like that, but you can use it. So what you're saying is they're going to cut them off from these credit card swipes or, or, or is it like business to business Venmo, more kind of like that they're cutting them off of, or is it everything? I think it's everything. Everything and I, they and can. I think that relates to what we were discussing earlier about a tweet I saw where someone was who is in Russia, oh, yeah, you're uh, right. an American yeah. who's in Russia, and they were told by the hotel to please pay up your bill now because your credit cards may not work in the, ne in the next day or so. Um, which means that, you know, like Visa, your credit cards, they just won't, those transactions won't go through in, in Yeah, in, it's like Russian, everybody you know, takes I mean, Visa. Purchases. Yeah, how could, I mean, how can and, you be. How can you be a country, like, because I mean, I'm sure everybody there has and then, visa then take too. It, then take it further. Okay, say your credit card doesn't work. So you go down to a Russian bank and say, hey, I want to take money from my bank, Wells Fargo, in the United States. You know, I mean, they may charge you a fee, mm -hmm. but so that Russian bank would go and, you know, okay, and try and take the money out from Wells Fargo and then give it to you. But if the bank is now sanctioned, they're no longer able to do, do any of those interactions with American banks because there's a sanction in place. We are no longer doing business. So you, as an American in Russia, have no access to your money because mm. they're not willing to go through Russian bank anymore. So it's, it's very interesting and it's, and it's very complex. And there's a lot of brilliant people on the financial side um, really digging in their heels to figure out how to cripple the Russian economy without you know having to to have any boots on the ground in in ukraine mm. i mean it's gonna be an interesting next couple of you think it's gonna be weeks you think it's gonna be yeah i, I, couldn't, I couldn't say for sure i mean you would have to look on uh, at really of what what does ukraine actually have like what is their military assets how much you know how much aid are they getting from you know japan and i heard sweden gave them some some anti you know uh tank missiles so it depends on what the world is willing to to give ukraine to defend itself or even actively engage in you know opposition so we'll see i guess it's well it's only time will tell honestly but people didn't think that it would take russia this long to uh 
to siege the capital. So I think we're all pretty impressed and, you know, hopeful that Ukraine can hold on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, it also looks like uh, that Ukraine, or sorry, not Ukraine, Russia, Russia has been banned from the uh, Eurovision Song Contest and, like, things like that. So, I mean, are these things going to be a big deal? Like, are people going to... Are they really just gonna not be allowed to do anything anymore? Basically, they're uh, they're kind of they're gonna take it out on the people of Russia, kind of, and just be like you're you're almost like North Korea. Are they gonna be like the new North Korea now, like the I, most hated country? I mean, I think there's this. I mean, I think a lot of sentiment before for Putin was, um, you know, he was calculated uh, and he was, you know, a cruel person. I think that the sentiment has changed. Is I've heard people say like. He's a sick individual. Yeah, I mean, it's no longer, you know, that he's calculated and, and strategic. It's just that he's a sick individual that would wage war on an innocent country, a, a de- democratic country. And, you know, and having women and children flee their homeland for with no no reason whatsoever, no provocative, no provocative reason to to wage war against a country that wasn't inciting any violence mm. or any any causing any harm to your country so there's no reason to defend yourself i see a report from axios that says the eu and the uk have frozen putin and lavrov's assets um but like you said they probably have money all over the place and i've heard reportings that he has like a stockpile of billions of dollars and stuff so it's like the money i don't think really matters to him personally but like you said when it starts when people when the people start revolting and there already seem to be people revolting more than they thought over just the invasion. If, you know, the ruble drops and they go into free fall, you know, it's only a matter of time before they're Afghanistan-like, you know, like Afghanistan's, you know, like they could be like that. They could become, they could become more of a third world country than they, they're kind of an advanced third world country, right? You know, yeah. it's just... It's just such an odd place. And I think it has to do with it's so big. And Russia's just so mysterious to so many people that I think there is a lot of Americans that were thought, like, why? Why would he do this? Why? Because he's just, it's like a game, I feel like, to him. He's just, like, playing a game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump didn't provoke this in some kind of way. Because a lot of people are giving Trump credit for kind of making our country so unstable that he thought that this would be a good idea in the first place. And then, of course, Trump came out and kind of said, look how smart he is or whatever. Do we have a clip of that? That could be interesting. Do we, I actually haven't heard the clip he played. Do you know what I'm talking to, though? I don't. I feel like he, like, praises. Oh, yeah, right here. When you put Trump praises, it just pulls up Vladimir. <laughs> Let's see. What is this? Oh, it's, I don't want to play it that long. Trump shocked by praising Putin. Let's see if this is a... Let's see if this isn't anything worth listening to. Um... Did you know how he just rambles on about, like, people? Let's see what this says. I went in yesterday, and there was a television screen, and I said, this is genius. Putin declares a big portion of Ukraine. Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So the same former U.S. President Donald Trump has praised Vladimir Putin, a genius for invading Ukraine. Genius! Yes. The former president praised Putin's character and bragged that a Russian invasion of Ukraine wouldn't have happened under his watch. I mean, I think a lot of what we're, we're seeing in in Russia and Ukraine is a direct result so Putin, of, 
is now Donald saying Trump's it's independent, a large section oh, of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. That's the strongest peace force I've ever seen. There were more army tanks than I've ever seen. They're going to keep peace all right. <laughs> is yep. this the name of the show? The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton show? Like, I really thought when I heard, because I haven't heard this, but I really thought when people were talking about it, that this was like, at least on Fox News or something. This is just like Dr. He might as well be on the Dr. Ever Project talking about that. Yeah, we should see if you could book him. <laughs> if he's doing but Think of it. He's a guy. We probably have more listeners. very savvy. Seriously. I know him very well. Very, very well. By the way, this never would have happened with us. Had I been in office, not even thinkable. This would never have happened. I knew Putin very well. I got along with him great. He liked me. I liked him. I mean, you know, he's a tough cookie. He's got a lot of uh, great charm and a lot of pride. But the way he, and he loves his country. You know, he loves his country. He's acting a little differently, I think, now. I think he sees this opportunity. I knew that he always wanted Ukraine. I used to talk to him about it. I said, you can't do it. You're not going to do it. But I could see that he wanted it. I, I used to ask him. We used to talk about it at length. The White House has quickly dismissed the former president's comments. And this was on February 23rd. Because that's what it is. He well, is the as a former matter of policy, president. Uh, we yeah, try mean, not so. to take advice uh, from anyone who praises President Putin. And yes, I mean, uh, we don't need to hear that anymore, but it's like, you know, it's the and bumbling, the uh, ramblings of the, the Trump uh, uh, What I think is important that um, we're discussing how, you know, the whole world has come behind, you know, the backs of, uh, come to the aid of, of Ukraine. Uh, the Republican Party is, is split now that half of them agree with what Trump's saying, and then half of them who still have their right mind agree that an invasion of a free and fair democratic country is is unfathomable and shouldn't happen and that russia's overuse of its power is not only ridiculous but it needs to be condemned and swift sanctions need to happen immediately which we have done um so we're seeing a division in the republican party because you have you know your trump loyalists who continue to just you know, agree of what he says hand over fist. But now you have, you know, some Republicans that just like, are just like, I, I can't agree with this. You know what I mean? Like, who in the right mind can? So we'll see how that plays out in our own political... I think um, even like Josh Hawley, that one that supported the insurrection and everything, like, he's even coming out against this, you know, and he's like been a sucking Trump off forever. Um, I don't think you can really... I, I think that this is unforgivable at this point and four o'clock trump probably trump probably spoke too soon when he came out and made those comments and maybe he he it was on some stupid radio show and now they've actually invaded and they're a couple hours away possibly from taking over the whole country and trump's like yeah good job way to go bro i just don't think that looks yeah. great um Let's see. What is? Let's see what Josh Hawley actually says on Tucker. I don't really ever watch this Tucker very often. But let's let's see what this Josh Hawley guy says. That the United States will be providing additional security guarantees that will be more embroiled in European conflicts. This isn't the time for that. We can't do everything. Here's what the White House's Jen Psaki had to say earlier today about Hawley's stance. Do you think that sort of rhetoric or sort of you know, position by a U.S. senator right now is helpful in this, in this showdown between the West and, and Russia? 
Well, if you are digesting Russian misinformation and parroting Russian talking points, uh, you are not aligned uh, with uh, long-standing bipartisan American values. Back with us, Eugene. Yes, yeah, like I saw, I, I heard a comment from him saying like he didn't agree with Trump and all. It's like, like you said, maybe they're all over the place. People need to pick a side now, and maybe it's gotten. Maybe people were kind of waiting to see how bad it would be, but it didn't look like you say, like what? What's the thing everybody says? You got to be on the right side of history, and um, it seems like this is a time to make a stand. All right, well, we don't have to talk about this all day. I mean, really, I mean, what's next? Really, really, what's next? What's what's worst case scenario? They come into the Capitol and they kill the president and or exile him and take over. Is that worst case scenario or is worst case scenario they invade Poland or one of those countries? I mean, that that is obviously a worst case scenario. But I think that's where it starts becoming more complex because, you know, Poland is um, a NATO ally. So we would support Poland obviously so that's i don't i i don't foresee that happening because that's i mean we're talking about a large-scale war at that point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i mean people didn't think this would happen right like people didn't think that it would get to the point where it has gotten now I, I, so it even though even the country the ukraine itself said no no um he's not gonna invade i don't know I guess we'll see. Well, um, even there's a rapper out there that's even going against Putin. Um, you want to wrap it up for the day? I feel like we, uh, I feel like we did a good show. It's you know we'll keep it, keep it short, keep it simple because it's, it's not simple and it's not going to be short. But this is all the information that we pretty much have right now, right? It's like it's kind of a waiting period to see what one person decides they're going to pull out of their brain and do. It's kind of it, it does remind me of Trump, like. When Trump was president, you're always like, "What? What? What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do now? What's what kind of craziness is gonna come out of this man's head?" So it's similar. Let's um, let's wrap it up, Mr. Jesse. Let's wrap it up then. All right, let's wrap it up today on the Broken Hip Hop Wrap Up. We're gonna talk about this Russian rapper that is coming out against the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin. We'll be right back on the Doctor Who Ever Project. I don't think that's a good idea. And you want some too? Well, uh, today on the Broken Hip Hop Wrap Up, what's this? What's this rapper's name? Oxymiron? O X X X Y M I R O N. Sounds pretty good. I kind of like it actually. Well, this uh, Russian rapper has canceled his sold-out concerts in protest of the Ukraine invasion. The prominent rapper, a 37-year-old, says that he just can't do it. He just can't go out and rap and, you know, like everything's okay. And he's trying to take a stand. And it's, it's not like it is here, right, Jesse? Like, you know, over there it's harder to take a stand because you don't have the... You don't have the rights like we do here where you can just say no. So I think it means even more when celebrities like this are putting themselves kind of on the chopping block 
to come out against something that they feel is wrong. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I completely want to just agree with you. Um, I, and I think it's it's something like we said before. It's not something we normally see in Russia is uh, any kind of dissidence from from their citizens because of the swish repercussions of of going against the Russian, you know, president and fake democracy over there. So it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, things turn out in a good way, but. You never know, and only thing you can do is learn and put the pieces together in your own life. And when when you see injustices, try to see what you can do. And you can't always do something, but you can learn and witness and be better equipped next time when something happens to someone you care about in your life that you can help. Don't you agree, Mr. Jesse? Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up. If you stuck out for the whole show, again, appreciate it so much. Um, Follow us on Spotify, all those fun places. You can always find the show, the live video, on our Facebook page. And as always, at DrWhoever.com. at me like I'm crazy, but then they know this right here is me. And then I give them the peace. I'm out.